Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Well, hey, Connect. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors on the team, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet. And I'm glad you're with us today. We're going to continue to answer this uh, very important yet controversial question, who is Jesus? We've talked about how it is a controversial question because uh, we'd be hard-pressed to find a more controversial figure. There was a son of a carpenter born a couple thousand years ago who started a grassroots movement. It's now the world's largest religion. Uh, If you drop his name at a family gathering or in certain classroom environments, you better like hold on tight because it's coming. Things may just erupt. We know what our parents think of Jesus. We know what our professors think, maybe some Sunday school teachers, friends. We know what others think about Jesus, but have you ever heard what he says about himself? Like, who does Jesus say he is? He actually made seven statements, seven I am statements, uh, during his time here on earth. And John, his friend, who we've been following closely with, recorded them for us. And today we're going to get to look at the first of those I am statements. So if you've got a Bible, I would invite you to turn with me to John chapter 6, where we're going to see the first claim Jesus just explicitly makes about himself. And... If you need a Bible, you could grab one for free in the back. That's a gift to you. Or you could follow along on our church app. There's also a place that you could jot down some notes there. If you arrive at John 6, you're going to quickly realize it's a rather long chapter. And while it would be phenomenal if we had the time to read it all word for word together, I'm going to trust that you can do that this week. You can do it in your community group. For our time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to summarize portions of it, and then we're going to read others it's really to ensure that we get the opportunity to camp on who Jesus says he is and understand what he meant by that, all right? So to kind of bring us up to speed, we're going to actually jump in half, partway through the passage. We're going to jump in in verse 25 here in a sec. But here's what's been happening. Let me set the stage, okay? The day before, Jesus was teaching, doing his thing, ministering, and then they realize, oh, it's time to eat. The disciples come to him and they're like, what should we do, Jesus? And Jesus says, okay, uh, what food do we have available? Like, well, there's this boy over here. He has five loaves of barley bread and two fish. Jesus is like, that'll work. (laughs) They're thinking, that math doesn't work for me. There's over 5,000 people gathered here, all right? Well, Jesus blesses the food. He multiplies it. Everyone eats. Uh, Eats to the full. There are actually leftovers after this meal. Now, That happens, you know, Jesus slips away. He needs some time to himself, so he goes to pray. For some reason, the disciples thought this was a good opportunity to leave. They literally hop in a boat and they set sail to go across the Sea of Galilee over to Capernaum. Good news for us, Jesus is an overcomer. So Jesus, when he realizes they've left, he just starts to walk across the water. It's now night. And at this time, there's actually a storm that is raging around the disciples. He, he arrives there, he calms the storm, and they eventually arrive on the other shore. 
okay? When the crowd wakes up the next day, they realize that the boat is gone, the disciples are gone, and Jesus is gone too. So with lunch fast approaching, they realize we got to go to the other side as well. With that stage set, we're going to read this encounter that Jesus has again with this group of people. And he's going to reveal who he says he is. But before we get into that, would you pause? Would you pray? And let's ask that we would hear from him now. Lord, we come before you and we ask that we would hear from you, that whether we have never heard from you, that we'd hear from you for the first time, or whether we've been following you for many years, would we hear from you in a fresh way today? We want to know you more. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, John 6, picking up in verse 25 through 27. When they found him, Jesus, that is, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus saw right through their question. They weren't interested in him. They just wanted what Jesus provides. Does that sound like anyone you know? Me neither. Never just wanted what Jesus provides. The truth is, we all have. We really love the gifts, but we really got to start to love the giver, which is really what Jesus is getting at here. You see, we all love free food. I mean, everyone loves free food. College students especially love free food. But the thing about back then is you couldn't just swing by Chick-fil-A for a quick bite to eat. They had to plant the seed and wait for it to rain. Eventually, a crop would spring up and they would harvest the crop so they could then thresh it all, grind that grain into flour, and then finally they could actually prepare to bake a loaf of bread. You could say that the crowd was pretty thankful for the free meal that they received the day before. And there's no, no problem with being thankful for what Jesus provides. But what Jesus is pointing out is that the problem is the crowd appreciated something, but they, they lost, they lost the, the true um, significance of what was happening here. They missed it because they missed him. They were looking for satisfaction, but where they were looking, at best, they were going to find a quick fix. And, and here's what this has looked like for me at, at another point in my life. So back in college, uh, Sports Authority was still around, and they would do this big blowout ski and snowboard sale called Sneagrab, all right? Maybe you all saw the advertising. It was around this time of year. They would do this big sale. Well, in college, what I did is I went and camped out downtown Denver for five nights in a row. If you were the first hundred in line, you got a hundred dollar gift card and you were the first to enter this giant warehouse with all these incredible deals. And I show up and I, I post up starting Monday night, sleep in a tent on the sidewalk in downtown Denver, five nights in a row. And I can testify, sleeping on concrete is as comfortable as it sounds, all right? But I was dreaming of something so much better. I wanted a ski helmet that could connect to my phone via Bluetooth. This was like new technology at that time. I thought that'd be so cool. I gotta have it. So for five nights, I sleep on the sidewalk until finally on Saturday morning, they let us in and I get the helmet. I'm like this is awesome. 
But the satisfaction faded before I even could have my head hit the pillow that night. You would think that I would like learn my lesson, but truth be told, I didn't just do that freshman year, I did it all throughout college, four years in a row, spent a bunch of nights, 20 nights probably in total, on the sidewalk in downtown Denver because I wanted to get the next thing, whatever that was, thinking that that was gonna satisfy. And maybe you haven't gone to that extreme of sleeping on a sidewalk to get what you want, but we're all kind of nearsighted in our search for satisfaction at times, aren't we? It could be the purchase we wanna make, or it could be getting another raise, thinking that if I can just get that promotion, then everything will be okay. Or, you know, if I can find that special someone, all will be right. I will be content. I'll be accepted. I'll be loved. Or, or maybe it's, you know, skiing copper, that's fine. But if you can ski like Vail or Aspen, that just makes a much better break room story. And when, when we seek satisfaction through these things, through the temporal, our satisfaction, it's temporary at best. That's just how it goes. These aren't bad things, getting something, a relationship, a promotion, an experience. These aren't bad things, but if that's where we're looking for lasting satisfaction, we're going to be disappointed. And I think we've all felt that in one way or another. You know, one of the wisest men to ever live talked about this concept this way. He said it's chasing after the wind. Solomon said that. It's like chasing after the wind. You can't ever quite catch it. And that's why Jesus taught this. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. You see, there is food that endures to eternal life. There is hope for lasting satisfaction. Like, we can experience that, but how? Like, how do we experience that? How do we not just hear about it? How does that become our reality? Well, the crowd was wondering the same thing, and the account continues as follows. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Like the, the crowd's like, what do we need to do? Is it, is it A? Is it B? Is it C? Like, what is it going to garner God's favor? Is it good works? Is it church attendance? What is it? Like, what do I need to do? How do I need to perform for God to pour out blessing? But Jesus is like, no, no, no. Like, that's not how it works. Just believe. Like, it's done. Just believe continues verse 30. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? As if feeding 5,000 people yesterday wasn't a good enough sign for them. What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The the Jews were looking back to the good old days, back when God had freed them from slavery in Egypt, and as they were making their way to the promised land, and they needed to eat, just like the rest of us, God provided this like flaky bread in the morning that they called manna, and that sustained them for actually 40 years. And here this crowd is, they're looking back at those times and thinking, you know, those were the good old days when God would show up and he'd provide and he would do the thing. And that's the whole thing, you know, temporary satisfaction. It's anchored 
in the temporal. It's anchored in the time when. The time when God provided manna or Jesus fed the 5,000. The time when you did get the promotion. The time when he finally proposed. The time when you did get to have that experience on that vacation. The time when God showed up. But lasting satisfaction is different. Lasting satisfaction isn't anchored in the time when God showed up. Lasting satisfaction is anchored in the God who showed up in time and space. The subject matters. And the source of our satisfaction is significant because if we look to something temporary, then our satisfaction is going to be fleeting. But if we look to one who's eternal, there is hope for lasting satisfaction. So Jesus is fleshing this all out, and it's starting to click for his audience, and it's right here where he states very clearly who he says he is. Listen to this. Verse 34, Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus claimed, I am the bread of life. And in so doing, he's like, look, guys, I'm, I'm the source for your satisfaction. You eat this, you're going to be hungry again. You drink that, you're going to be thirsty again. But if you partake of me, you will not hunger, you will not thirst. There's a satisfaction that lasts. Now, when I, uh, every week I ask Alex, our leadership resident, to give me some feedback on the message before I deliver it to you all. And when he was reviewing the message, he had some, a really good insight. He's like, in, in a way, it almost sounds like an infomercial, you know, where, but the, thing, the difference between Jesus and an infomercial is this. Infomercials are really good at over-promising and under-delivering, right? If you, if you use this product, your car will stay clean longer. If you use this, you will look 20 years younger. It tastes great and you will lose weight. But wait, there's more. The difference, though, is while Jesus is making this bold claim, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's, it's a bold claim, it, but it, he delivers. He never promises and doesn't deliver. He always comes through. And, and the other difference is Jesus isn't trying to sell us something. He's trying to give us something. Because he knows that we do have this desire, this craving for satisfaction. God actually created us that way. He gave us all kinds of cravings. He gave us cravings like food and water and air, friendship, meaning, purpose. He put all these cravings in, in our hardwiring because what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to drive us to him, the author of life, the giver of all good gifts. 
You see, he's the ultimate source of our satisfaction. It's actually found in a relationship with him. So God knew all of this, but what we know from Scripture, and what we also have experienced with our own lives, is that we turn to the temporary. Adam and Eve did it in Genesis 3. They had a relationship with God. Everything was good. It was perfect. But they, they turned from God to do what he said they shouldn't do. And in so doing, they turned their back on God, creating distance, disconnection. And we've all done the same thing before we point fingers at them. We've all done it. It could have been a relationship or, or a night or something we partook of. I don't know what it was for you, but we've all done that same thing where we've turned our back on God at a time because it, it felt good in the moment. But what it did is that temporary satisfaction, it actually created an eternal void. And, and there's nothing that, you know, from the, this temporal realm that's going to satisfy that e- eternal void because we're created for something more, someone better. And God, God knows this, and that's why he sent Jesus. You see, while we turned our back on him, Jesus is essentially God turning towards us. He's inviting us back into a relationship with him. This is the gospel. This is why we gather. This is what we celebrate. It's what we sing of. It's what we hear of in scripture. This is the good news. While our choices, our sin, our actions, they disconnect us from God, Jesus reconnects us with God. And it's only in that relationship that we're going to experience lasting satisfaction. And when, and you can know this, like you can take this to the bank. When you turn to Jesus, know this, he will never turn you away. He never turns you away. It doesn't matter who you slept with, what you've done, what you've said. Doesn't matter. He forgives you and he reconnects you with God. In verse 37, we're encouraged all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. When the Spirit works in your heart and, and your, your eyes just like open to the reality of who Jesus is, and, and you turn to him to receive his grace, to receive his mercy, he never turns you down. You see, Jesus isn't trying to sell us something. He's trying to give us something. But more than something, someone. He's trying to give himself a relationship with God that'll satisfy that eternal longing. Now, Jesus promised that if you believe in him, you're going to get eternal life. That, of course, that talks about, you know, that's like life forever, but it's honestly, it's so much more than that. We're not just in like a holding pattern as a people. If that was the case, when we were, you know, like baptized or, or we prayed the prayer or whatever the thing is, like if when we turn to Jesus, we would just go boom, like we're, like we're with him in the, the full manifest presence of God in heaven. Like that's just what it would be. But many of us in this room, we've accepted Jesus, we've received his grace, and we're still here. Because eternal life actually starts now. And part of that is the, the meaning, the purpose that he gives us as followers of him. We now get to invite others to experience the same. That is, depending on how we choose to respond. And what we see from this passage is there's actually like three logical responses to this teaching that Jesus is the bread of life, that lasting satisfaction is in him alone. And the first one that we see in the passage is this debate about Jesus. 
All right, in the verses that follow, the Jews just grumbled and argued about what Jesus said, and, and they're trying to figure it all out. They're trying to wrestle his claims to the ground, but Jesus didn't budge. He just dug in. He didn't flinch. He just reiterated this. Verse 47 and following, Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus is like, like why, are you, why are you pursuing satisfaction that'll fade when I offer you satisfaction that'll last? Now, we, we all kind of are tempted to go this way, to, to look for that, that, that quick fix. It's a temptation that we all face. So let me ask you a challenging question. Like, does your life reflect the pursuit of the temporal or the eternal? If somebody were to take a look at your bank statement for the last month, what would it show? Or if they looked at your calendar, how are you spending your time? Whether we, we, we spend or we invest our, our time or our money, doesn't matter. Whether we're spending or investing really has to do with what we're focused on. Are we looking for the short-term short success or the long-term legacy? What do we want our lives to be known by? Unfortunately, many of us are prone to, to seek the, the temporary satisfaction. But when we do, we realize that it's a fleeting fix at best. At least, that's what the evidence of many of our lives would say. Now, like Jesus' original audience, we could debate about his identity. We could argue about what he's saying and what he means and, and whether or not we believe it, but he's not going to budge because he knows what's best. He, he also knows that, that something isn't going to fill the hole that only someone can fill. Him can fill. So, so one option is to debate about Jesus. The second option is to deny Jesus. John records in verse 60 and then verse 66, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? And then he tells us, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Look, I hope that's not your conclusion, but it is an option. It's in Scripture. It's a legitimate option. But I don't think you should do that. I really don't. And, and I'm going to give you the third option, and I'm going to tell you why I think you should choose this one. The third is to decide to follow Jesus. All right, you'll see some walked away in disbelief, but then Jesus turned to his disciples, and here's what went down. Verse 67 you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, you could deny Jesus like some did. Some who actually were fed. They were part of that crowd, the 5,000. They were, they were there. They didn't just hear Jesus claim he was the bread of life. They like experienced the sign that went with it. But no one's talking about them. We don't know their names, but we do know the names of the 12. Simon Peter spoke up. We also know James and John and many others who we have been talking about for 
2,000 years, and not just us, but billions have been talking about those who followed Jesus in the first century and how it radically changed their lives. Because as we like to say it here at Connect, whoever follows Jesus finds life. Whoever follows Jesus finds life. Uh, Whether we're blessed with a lot or a little, we know that in Christ, our identity is secure. Our value is secure. And it doesn't have to do with our 401k. Whether we're accepted or rejected by those around us, we know that in Christ, we are accepted. We are actually connected with God because of Him. Uh, Whether we're in the C-suite or we are mopping floors, we actually have a, a purpose, a meaning that we can fulfill with our life. All because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. And it's not, the, it's not the story of the powder day or the hunting trip or the gals weekend. Those are fun to talk about. But when we share Jesus, we actually share something that could change someone's eternity. I mean, think about that. Why aren't we talking about that more? Okay, the morning I wrote this message, I uh, read something and then I prayed something that I want to share with you all. So, little backstory, I heard on a podcast that if you, if you read three chapters a day in the Gospels, you could actually read all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You could read all four in a month. And I figured, well, never done that before. I'd like to know Jesus more. Let's just give it a shot. So I'm doing that this month. And a few days ago, I was reading Matthew 16 through 18. As I read, there's this passage that I've heard before, I've read before, but it really jumped out to me. And And here's what it is for. This is, you know, Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they've done. I read this, and then an hour later, I was walking around the neighborhood here, just praying for this area, our community, the neighbors right here around the rec center. And I'm I'm walking by beautiful parks, I'm walking by gorgeous homes, expensive cars are whizzing by, And I couldn't help but pray, God, may these people not gain the whole world and yet lose their soul. And then this morning, I'm still reading through the Gospels. Today, I got to read Luke 9 as one of the chapters. And there, I read Luke's account of that exact same passage. And this morning, I prayed, God, may we not lose not mean, we not gain the whole world and lose our soul. Because here's the deal. Jesus offers lasting satisfaction. The promotion's great, marriage is great, the experience, the vacation, it's all, it's good. But Jesus is better. And it's only in him, the eternal son of God, that we're going to experience lasting satisfaction. It is only in him. Manna in the wilderness is nice, but Jesus is the bread of life. And may God's common grace, may the way he shows up in our lives here and there, providing for the little things, sometimes the seemingly big things, may God's common grace actually lead us to his saving grace. 
That's what this is about. So the challenge for us is this. Don't settle for a fleeting fix when Jesus offers lasting satisfaction. Let me pray that that would be our our reality. God, we need your help in this. You have created a beautiful world with incredible people and the resources and the technology and all of the things can be very alluring at times. So while may these things draw us closer to you, may they not keep us from you. Would we not settle for a fleeting fix? Rather, may we, we realize, may we experience lasting satisfaction in you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to make this known to us. Would you help us to know you more, to live in you more, to follow you more each and every day? We ask this in your name. Amen.